Saturday morning. Welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. Another Saturday morning. Man, August is flying by. It's the ninth already. Summer is passing. And let's face it, fall is coming soon. The mums are sizing up. They're looking really good. And the poinsettias are already potted. They're growing. We're pinching them this week. So kind of a scary thought, but like I say along the way here, we're always a season ahead at the garden center. So, you know, we've started to put mums out for sale um, on our smaller pots, our four inch and our six inch pots. The bigger sizes will be available soon. They're just not quite big enough, but the crop is looking amazing, you know, and the cabbage and kale and the pansies and the, the you know marigolds and, uh, you know, all the fall loving stuff that we do is really starting to size up and looking good. But there's still time for annuals. You know, uh, there's time to cut some stuff back if you need to and repot it and whatnot in your garden. I've done that uh, over the past few weeks, and, and boy, some of my annuals have come back just gangbusters. You know, a little extra fertilizer, you know, things have kind of really come around after some of that summer heat we had in July, and things are really starting to look a lot better again. But... I do want to report that uh, our impatience are starting to have some problems. I don't know if you've been out there and looking at your impatience, but I'm seeing some signs of downy mildew around. Um, And this is probably a couple months earlier than last year. So here we go, folks. You know, here's the same problem we've been talking about for about two years now. Again, we got into August, but I wanted to caution people. If you feel like you're getting downy mildew and your impatience aren't looking good, you need to remove them right away, okay? We don't want that spore to sit on that decaying plant and then drop to the soil. Then we have a major issue. So right now, I want you to go out, look at your impatience. If they don't look good, if they're dropping leaves, they're looking off color, you don't understand why they're not doing well, pull them. Get that product in a bag, off to your transfer station. Don't put it in the in the compost pile. Get it off your property. We need to get that spore out of those gardens. Otherwise, we're just going to have the repetitive problem. And this is part of the issue that we're finding with locations down south is they haven't removed them quick enough. So the spore will winter over. It'll be in the soil. And then, boom, next year you'll be hit again even sooner. So if you don't have a problem with your impatience yet, I would recommend spraying them. Spray them with the fruit tree and plant guard by Bonide. It's going to actually enter into the plant, go through the leaf, cover it, get that coverage you need of a fungicide. And it, it's important that you do that right away. Okay. If you think like you have a problem or it's starting, don't bother. Just remove and clean and make sure that everything looks really really good okay so clean that those areas up again downy mildew has started to become a problem important that we just go ahead and really 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 be vigilant about this because we're seeing it a couple months earlier than last year and i think it's probably because we've had some very unsettled weather back and forth back and forth back and forth rain humidity you know storms that have come up the coast and blown this right up into our backyard Today we're going to talk about a lot of different things that are kind of going on, okay? There is a lot of problems out in the garden right now. This past week, I have spent 
I can't even tell you how much time with customers talking to them about their problems, getting pictures from our mobile app, you know, uh, email emails on a daily basis of plants that are just kind of struggling along. This is common for this time of year, okay? This is the general problem with our environment in July and August. Now, what you're seeing is a lot of the situations are a result of all that heat and humidity and rain we had in July, okay? Now we've had some dry spells, we've had some rain showers, hit or miss, and we're starting to see all the problems show up. So we're two to three weeks beyond when the actual problem started. Now you're getting out there and you're noticing the leaves dropping off the crab apple or the apple tree. You're noticing all of these things and bringing it to your attention. So when I talk about being proactive with some of this stuff, that's what I'm saying is if you treated back two or three weeks ago, you wouldn't have the problems now, okay? But we're as a result, here we are. So now what can we do to correct some of these things? So right now we've got black spot and rust on a lot of our fruit trees, flowering trees, cherries, crab apples, uh, apple trees, plums, pears. You know, all of those are showing some of those signs. Now, we need to make a conscious choice at this point, okay? What do we do to help these plants? It's not going to kill the plants. The first thing I want you to do is, if they're on the drier side, water them. Okay, so take the water stress rate out of it. We're not going to fertilize at this point. It's too late in the hot summer. We'll do a fall fertilizer later, and I'll, I'll talk more about that, you know, in upcoming shows. But the big thing is, is it at a point where we need to spray? You know, so you've got to kind of use that judgment. You know, copper sulfate is a great way to go, but it's not going to really cure a whole heck of a lot. It's just going to kind of hold things at bay. Maybe use funganil which will actually be a little more curative and take care of the problem. But you've got to decide what what your root of attack is on some of these fungus problems. So you, you kind of have to look at your plants. The way I judge it in my yard is if I feel like the fungus is affecting the health of the plant, that's when I go ahead and do it. Okay? So for me, I kind of risk and reward scenario. If the plant is struggling and it's dropping 25 or 30% of its leaves, to me that's a, oh, I better do something. If there's a couple leaves, but we've been watering and things are kind of coming around, there's some new growth that looks good, then I probably wouldn't go ahead and do anything. So take a look at the plant. If you have questions about that, don't hesitate to take a picture of the tree, bring it in, send it to us via the mobile app, email us, however it's most convenient for you, get a picture off to us and we can give you a kind of an evaluation of what we think you should do. So, you know, that's going on on some of our trees. The other thing I wanted to kind of put in the back of your head is just take a walk and look at trees. Now, the signs of fall are showing up already. If you've got some plants in your yard that are off color, aren't thickly leaved anymore, they're kind of look like the signs of fall are starting. That's the sign of a stressed plant. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot because I can drive down the street and see our street trees and, you know, one or two in every single neighborhood is stressed. It's showing up, you know, as a problem, you know, and, and whatnot. It's not 
really a huge deal. It's the fact of life that some trees are healthier than others, okay? Some hold up to the stresses of summer better than others. So you can identify the wheat trees in your neighborhood and also in your yard. Now, why do I want you to kind of take note of that? The reason I want you to take note of that, those are going to be the trees that get attacked by insects and diseases first, okay? And you can use them as indicator plants for the rest of your yard. So, for instance, if you look at all the ash trees in your town, okay, and we're talking emerald ash borer, if you look at a bunch of trees, ash trees in your town, and you see some that are showing fall color earlier than others, those would probably be the trees that they would attack first. So take a closer look, make some assumptions of which trees are more stressed than others. And now's a good time to start seeing that over the next couple weeks, okay? So you're going to see some of these things kind of start to show up. So get out there and take notice in, in your yard and garden here. Tomato hornworm, that pesky big old caterpillar that attacks our tomato plants, been a pain showing up now. We also are having cabbage worm problems, and I talked about this a little bit last week. You know, all those broccoli and cauliflower and cabbage and and Brussels sprouts, all those things we love in late summer and fall when they come on, a lot of activity on that. Now, for both of these problems, we're going to use BT or thuricide. Okay, Bacillus thumbergii. Real simple, easy spray, very safe, um, been used for years, and it works extremely well on any small caterpillars. So if you have any small caterpillars, the other thing it works really well on is fall webworm. Now, if you don't know what fall webworm is, it's another thing that will attack our trees, and you'll, you'll see it coming up soon. It'll be these tents and all these different trees, Now, the one thing about tent caterpillars in general is you need to poke a hole in the tent in order to get the insecticide into the tent. If you just spray the outside, it's like a beautiful web that repels everything. It gives the insect a safe haven in the tree. So you need to either poke a hole with a stick in it, um, or, you know, if you're like me, I keep looking for them, and when I see the little tents, I just squish them with my hands, which is kind of nasty, but... You know, when they're really small, you can nip them right in the bud very quickly. You know, just get some gloves and just kind of rub the bark and you'll kill them all. When they're very small, I'm talking a couple inches. You know, obviously if they're six or eight inches and big, you know, it's probably not a good idea to use your hand to do that. It's kind of a messy job. And I wouldn't do that either. You also can prune them out of the plants, okay? So that's another situation that's going to be arising here in the next few weeks. So keep a lookout for some of those 10 caterpillars because they're going to start showing up. Now, the other thing I'm seeing still throughout the garden is some aphids and powdery mildew. I have a terrible problem on powdery mildew on my cucumbers and squash. I sprayed them. I've done everything I can to keep them as healthy as possible. But this year, with the weather conditions, once it started, I just couldn't stop it. It just went like wildfire. So I'm sure you're seeing in your vegetable garden probably some of those similar signs. Hopefully you were a little more proactive than I was and got some fungicide on things a little bit earlier. But definitely powdery mildew. And aphids, you know, seeing some aphids on some sedum, 
Some of our fall plants are showing up with some aphids. Some black-eyed Susans are having some problems too. And obviously the powdery mildew is starting to show up also in Monarda and flocks, you know, and also rust on flocks. So, you know, there's some there's some things going out there in the garden that, you know, we need to fight and kind of keep after, okay? Now, if you have some other plants that have some problems, maybe it's time to start thinking about cutting some things back. Maybe you don't need to spray. Maybe you can prune some of those perennials back down, kind of clean them up, add a couple moms, another annual, something, you know, in there to kind of liven up the garden. But certainly, I think you have an opportunity to start cleaning up a few things. And it's okay if you have a plant that has powdery mildew or something like that, and you want to sacrifice it. Just prune all the growth off and get rid of it and take the problem out and then maybe, you know, preventatively spray a few of the plants around it, that is a good option also. You have an opportunity where you can do that also. So, you know, a lot of things going on in the garden, a lot of things that are kind of showing up in the signs of damage that's happened over the last few weeks. So don't feel like you're doing anything wrong. It's just the environment is playing its games against us, and we constantly have to kind of keep an eye on things and keep kind of plugging along. Now, last but not least, I want to talk about tomatoes. You know, I've got some problems with some fungus. It's not blight, okay? But I've got some yellowing leaves. I've got some browning leaves. I've got some some fruit that's got some blossom end rot. You know, there's there's some problems going on. So later in the show, we're going to have a couple questions from some customers also that will kind of hit on these topics, okay? So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Are you an organic gardener? Finally, there's a fast-working and effective all-organic insect control available from Bonide. Bonide's Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew is the answer to all your garden insect problems. Captain Jack's works two ways, on contact and when the insect feeds. This will ensure that your insect problems are over. Captain Jack's controls all types of insects, including caterpillars, beetles, spider mites, boars, and more. Use it on vegetables, flowers, berries, trees, shrubs, and fruit. Captain Jack's all-organic insect control is available in easy-to-use dust, liquid concentrate, ready-to-use and ready-to-spray containers with built-in spray applicator. Pick up some Bonite Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew today at your local independent garden centers of Maine. Visit MaineIGC.com or Bonide.com. Arr. You can buy your plants and garden supplies almost anywhere. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine, working together to ensure you, the customer, gets the best quality advice and service. Visit us at MainIGC.com to see the closest IGC member near you, then stop by your local member garden center, where we'll help you select the best product for Maine's climate and soil. We work together to satisfy you. Visit us at MainIGC.com. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. 
Earthlife Nutrimulch is nutrient stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselloOrganics.com or call 800 4 Compost for a source near you. News, sports, and weather are all just a tap away on your smartphone. Now, the gardening expertise of Estabrooks is too. With the Estabrooks mobile app for your Apple or Android device, you can earn rewards with each visit, browse thousands of plant photos and descriptions, and get answers to your gardening questions all in one place. Plus, don't miss out on exclusive in-app deals you won't find anywhere else. Visit your mobile marketplace to download the app today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we're talking tomatoes. You know, it's that time of year. The tomatoes we're harvesting are just amazing. I love them, and they're kind of a staple in everyone's garden. You know, there's, I guess, a few people out there that don't like tomatoes. My dad doesn't like tomatoes. I don't know. It must. It's, it's a texture thing, I guess. You know, so if you don't like tomatoes, I understand but they're one of my favorites in the garden. You know, there's nothing like, you know, a little tomato and basil and mozzarella appetizer, you know, a little olive oil and balsamic on, on top. Oh, a little salt and pepper. Mm, God, I'm hungry right now. But, you know, there's been some problems. Obviously, we've had some blight. We've had some other fungal issues, you know, blossom and rot. You know, it's the nature of this year's weather. But I wanted to take a step back because I had a customer, you know, that had a question this week. And his question was, how do I prevent this from happening year in and year out? Tomatoes are his favorite thing. And he wants to know what he can do to safeguard and come up with a program that basically is going to work right from the get-go. So here's my general thoughts on tomatoes. Number one. Never plant them in the same spot the next year. Okay? Even if you have the smallest garden, even if you have them in containers, rotate your containers, rotate also your soil. And when I say that, if you move the tomatoes from one end to the garden every other year, okay, you're not going to build up pathogens in the soil. There's going to be that whole year break in between, which is huge, okay? And it's really good for all of your crops. If you think about it, if you put your squash in the same spot every year, rotate it. Put your beans over there the next year. You know, rotate your plants around the garden. You may have a specific plant like, say, onions that do really well in one part of the garden but not the other. Those I might keep in the same spot. But... A general rule of thumb is rotate your plants around your garden. For instance, where I have my squash and, you know, my cucumbers and all that, next year I will have my beans, I'll have uh, my peas, I'll have my lettuce, and I'll do everything else so I'll flip-flop the garden. But back to the tomatoes, okay? So first off, it's important. You rotate in the soil. Secondly, you want to buy good plants. Okay, number one thing, you have to start off with good quality plants. Not plants that are yellowing, not plants that are stressed. You want good quality, nice plants to start. Without that, what do you have? You're starting off behind the eight ball right from the get-go. 
Okay. So spend the most of your budget that you can, you know, afford on good plants. Okay. Now, the next thing, have in place a preventative plan. Okay. And I know this is kind of tough for a lot of folks, but in the garden center and growing industries, we don't wait for problems. We are proactive on them. So when you start talking about what do I spray, how do I do this, what's my spacing? So you're going to have good plants. You're going to put ample space in between them so they're not going to grow together. You're going to stake them with a tomato cage. And then last but not least, you're going to make sure they have everything they need, good water and fertilizer. And when I say water, not watering the foliage. So those are all the things. So you've rotated them, you've planted, you know, appropriately good plants, you've spaced them appropriately, you've staked them, okay, and you've done everything you can environmentally, give them the best chance they possibly can. Here is when the sprays start to come into effect. So you've done all of that. Now I like copper sulfate. It's good general organic spray, but once a week, I want you to spray the tomatoes down. Let's keep them as nice and happy as we possibly can. We'll keep all those fungal problems at bay. We'll water at the base as needed. We'll fertilize around them. You know, all those things. It's tough to be proactive, but it's necessary on tomatoes. Okay? It's very necessary. Be more cautious about the lower third of the plant than you are the top of the plant. The top has good airflow and won't have any problems for the most part. Not saying you shouldn't spray it down, but focus more on that tight, compact growth right around the ground. If you need to, take out some leaves to open it up a little bit and give a little more airflow through the bottom third of the plant. But make sure you get that good airflow and you're spraying right into the center of the plant. That's my general thoughts on tomatoes, okay, is how do we prevent all these problems and keep things kind of going? This customer has like 30 tomato plants in his big, big garden, and Ken has, has enough space to rotate. This is a big garden, but he's frustrated because he just feels like he can't get ahead of things. So that's kind of, you know, what I would recommend if you can do that, I think you're just going to see your success rate go way up, okay? So here's some other questions that have come into the garden center this this week. This customer has some sprouts around the base of her apple trees and, and flowering cherry trees. So this is a classic scenario. I have the same situation at my house, you know, where you get those little suckers that come up from the rootstock, okay? And the rootstock is the root system that the tree was grafted to, And, you know, you get these little sprouts that pop up and they're kind of a pain for a lot of people. You know, they grow up like six or eight inches. You keep pruning them off. They don't really look good. You're, you know, it's just a pain. So her question was, how do I keep them from coming back? I'm sick and tired of pruning them off. And it just seems to be getting worse and worse. The more I prune them off, the more suckers come up, which is very true, you know, and it's very simple to take care of. We have a product called Sucker Punch. Uh, made by Bonide, and it has a little dauber in in the uh, in the bottle. So it's this small little bottle, 
and you pull out the little cotton ball that's attached to a stake in there, and you just dab it on those lovely plant, you know, little plants that are sprouting up, and it will go down and, and kill them. Okay. Now it won't hurt the rootstock, won't hurt the tree. It just basically cauterizes those and makes them so that they won't sprout again. Okay. So it's not a big deal. It's not going to hurt anything. You know, you're just dabbing it a little bit. You're not using much at all. It's a small, small container, you know, and you can just keep that on the shelf. And when you have a problem, you just go out, cut it off, and then dab right on that little, little cut. And you'll be done. Okay. So sucker punch, a really easy way. I actually just pruned a bunch of my apple trees around the base and used it the other day. Okay. So there's a few little sprouts on four or five of my apple trees. And I'm like, I got to, I got to nip those in the bud right now, you know? So sucker punch is something that you can go ahead and easily take care of very, very common, common problem out there in the garden. I find on like weeping cherries or anything grafted, you know, weeping cherries always have that graft that's kind of popping up along the base. Um, you know, so you can just dab that a little bit. The next question I had was, when's the best time to seed my lawn this fall? Should I kill the weeds before? I seem to have a lot of crabgrass and other weeds that are coming up, but I want to make sure I can seed this fall. So is it too late for me to do any type of weed control and seed this fall? So this is this is a great question because we've talked about this the last couple of weeks about how we should be proactive with our weed control right now and you know it's important that you understand that a lot of these products will take three or four weeks before you can come in and seed again so you know here's here's a couple general rules of thumb yes it's the perfect time to go ahead and seed for fall in the next few weeks but if you want to clean up the weeds you need to be proactive and do it now because like with the weed beater, crabgrass, and broadleaf, you need to have three to four weeks before you can seed. Now, this is a perfect time because we can knock the crabgrass out for next year. We can clean up the areas. We can go ahead and rake and clean up all of that. And then we also can get our new seed down this fall. So we've knocked out the problem for next spring. We've, you know cleaned up the area and introduced new grass seed we can overseed a bunch of other our other lawn so your thoughts on what you're talking about are really great and i think your timing is perfect so think about that now maybe you say i don't want to use chemicals and when can i go ahead and do that that's fine totally understand that you know but a situation you may have to do right now is look at the crabgrass has it gone to seed yet if it hasn't, then we need to clean that crabgrass out, either by hand or rototill the area, whatever you need to do to knock down that, loosen the soil, pitchfork it and pick out the weeds, whatever you need to do to clean that area before you seed is what really needs to happen. Because that, that weed competition is going to just suffocate your new seed, no matter what you kind of do, okay? So pick your options how you're going to create the situation that you're going to be best at. And I love September for seeding lawns. I think it's like the best time. We have nice warm temperatures for germinating seed, but we have cool nights. We've had some awesome weather this summer for all summer. But, you know, August can be warm. 
you can seed grass any time. It really has to do with how much can you water it. The warmer the temperatures are, the quicker it's going to germinate. Though you have to keep up on that water longer. So just make your choices on what's going to be best. Always remember if you're using a crabgrass control or some sort of herbicide, read the bottle. You can't seed the day after you use these products. You've got to read the label, as always, and look at the distance. You know, if it's three or four weeks, here we are, we're, you know, the 9th of August. So we're basically looking at the 9th of September right now. So that's why I'm talking about it now is because if we wait another month, then we're October 9th. We've missed the window. We've missed the window, folks. So think about it. Get out there. Do some of that maintenance on that crabgrass and other broadleaf weeds. Open up those areas for your, you know, your lawn to be overseeded or, or to create a situation where you're not going to have problems for next spring. So a lot of good things going on there. I know this week we're talking a lot about insects and disease and problems out there. There's a lot going on. This week, I was amazed at how many problems customers are having. And I think it's a result of, you know, us not noticing. July was extremely wet. The plants were doing very well. Everything was nice and green. And now we're seeing those problems starting to show up, like I said. And this one here, a customer came in and uh, submitted on, on our website this question. And if you have a question, you can submit them on our website at estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. This one is, my pine and spruce seem to be dying at the tips. The newest growth in the central um, central leader all of a sudden wilts, turns brown, and dies off. What am I doing wrong? Is it an insect? Is it a disease? What seems to be the problem? I'm really struggling with this. I love my trees. They're a beautiful screen. I need your help right away. This is a very common problem this time of year. Now, what you have is white pine weevil, and you also have spruce budworm. So two different insects attacking two specific plants, very common. The first thing I want to do is calm down. It's fine, okay? It's not going to kill the plant, but what it does is it makes the plant, the leader of the plant, meaning that nice, beautiful top that goes straight up, it kills it. So you say, well, how do I get this? What do, you know? Well, trees, evergreens get it because a lot of times we're not watering enough during the summer. Now, this year, I think we did pretty well. We had some great weather in, in July. Things are, are nice and moist. But water is usually the biggest thing to ward off these insects. Okay? Now, you have it. So we're too late for the water situation. So what do we need to do in order to alleviate the problem and in the future not get it? So here's my thought. I want you to treat the plants with the systemic now, okay? Um, We sell a tree and shrub systemic, and I want you to drench the root systems and get the material into the plant. Now, what you have to understand is systemics don't just enter the plant overnight, okay? So we need to get this fighting from within. Now, these little worms are inside the plant. We can't treat them from outside of the plant. This is the tough part. Now, one thing you can do is prune out the infected growth. 
So you go down in, prune about six inches below any effect, affected area, and remove that. Okay, get rid of it. Now, will that stop all of it? No. So I usually recommend you go ahead and drench the systemic in the root system. It goes up into the plant, fights from within. Now, that will take, you know, four, three, four months to get in the plant. Then, next spring, we're also going to topically spray when usually the insect attacks and the eggs are being laid, which is in May and June. And so we would do a topical spray on the top third of the plant because it only affects the leaders. You're not going to find this down in the lower branches. It's only going to be on the tops of the tree. The trees will grow out of this. They will be fine. They will move on. But take a look around your neighborhood. The likelihood is if you have this problem or you haven't had it, look at your neighbor's trees. You're going to start to see these little tops at the tops of the trees, and they're all brown and they're wilted looking. Go and look around your neighborhood. It's a very common problem. It's in all sorts of different evergreen trees, primarily spruce and and pines. But take a look because the likelihood is there's an infestation in your area and you didn't even know it was there. So you've come in, you've planted your nice new evergreens, they're looking great, and it has nothing to do with you. The tree down the road, across the street might have it, and that's how it's spreading around your neighborhood, okay? So go ahead and make sure that you just keep an eye out for that. So spruce budworm and white pine weevil attacking plants right now. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Summer may be winding down, but that doesn't mean you have to be too. Whether you want to plant the landscape you've always wanted or just refresh your window boxes, Esterbrooks and Yarmouth and Kennebunk still has tons of great plants. Best of all, you can take them home for a fraction of the price. All trees, shrubs, perennials, roses, and annuals are now 30% off. Make the most of your summer with some help from Estabrooks. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. You know those design shows where a gardening expert shows up and overhauls the landscape of some unsuspecting homeowner? You're probably not going to be on one of those shows. Planting a landscape is hard work, and it's not for everyone. Make it easier with the planting service from Estabrooks. For as little as $45 a plant, Estabrooks will get your plants into the ground and off to a great start, giving you time to relax and enjoy the season. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. 
Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we're talking problems in the garden. A lot of problems out there. I don't want to get on this doom and gloom kind of thing about gardening because it's fun. You know, and I'm starting to think like this is a lot of work. You know, all these problems and what you have to do to keep them out bay and a uh, lot of, you know, and sometimes it's a little bit along the way. Okay, so once you understand and you can see these things, it's it's not this big job. Okay, I know there's a lot of things going on in the garden right now, but I kind of wanted to bring some 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 lighter topics in now. Okay, and like I said, we've had a gamut of questions this week come in, you know, via our website on the mobile app, you know. So however you want to communicate with us, certainly don't hesitate. So here's. An interesting question, and one that I think every gardener has a problem with. I think everyone who's a homeowner has a problem with this, okay? So here's the question. Do you have any suggestions for a good brand of hose? I am sick and tired of my hose spraying water all over me. I replace the ends. They never work good. They end up breaking again. I'm just frustrated with my hose. Can you tell me, is there a good fix to fix the ends, or is there a good brand of hose that you would recommend? This is probably my staff's number one complaint. You know, because they're obviously watering a lot. And we're constantly, I mean, we have hundreds of hoses. I mean, hundreds. You know, it's tough. Is there a good brand? Well, what I would say is there are many good brands, though every single time I feel like I find a good brand, they go and change it or make it cheaper or whatever it might be. So the first thing I would say is don't necessarily go buy a brand because you may have a hose you are steadfast is awesome. And you have it for five or ten years. It's not like you replace a hose that often in a yard. And then it wears out over time. And so you think, oh, I'm going to go back and I'm going to get that Flexigen, you know, hose. I really like that brand or Dram or, you know, Soft and Supple or whatever the brand might be. There's a million of them out there now. And you go back and you buy another one and the thing breaks within the first I don't know, 
six months. Manufacturers are constantly changing things. And, you know, to me, right now, if I looked at the hoses we sell, the hose I like the most are DRAM. Okay? They have stainless steel ends. You know, everybody's, oh, copper, copper, copper. Well, copper's gotten expensive. Okay? And what I found is with some of these copper ends, they're making them thinner and thinner and thinner. Well, you put all these gallons of water through that hose and you have a thin coupling, you know, with those nice threads that you put that nice nozzle on, you add to a sprinkler. Well, what do you think happens? You're constantly torquing on that and bending and and manipulating that end. Well, when they make it cheaper... It breaks that much faster. And I always find it's it's the connection, you know, where they meet. And that's frustrating to me. So the big thing for a hose for me is I always look at the ends. I also look at the construction of the, ho- the actual hose. And DRAM is a very commercially graded hose. It's heavy. It's got a very good, strong outer casing so I know it's just a hose, but when you're going to garden and you're going to water, there's nothing more frustrating than a hose that you have to fix to just water that darn plant that's just a little too far away from the hose, you know, and it's frustrating. So this year, I want you to think about this. Okay, this is my my thought for hose repair. If at the end of the season, you have been frustrated with your hose and you have done everything you can to get it through another season, do not, I repeat, do not put it in the garage. Take it and throw it in the trash. If it has a lifetime guarantee on the hose, clip off the ends and bring it back to the store and get a new one. Because a lot of these hoses have lifetime guarantees. You can bring the hose back. We'll get credit from our supplier. We'll give you a new hose. So look at the hose you're buying and keep that in mind. Go back to the place you bought it. A lot of these hoses have lifetime guarantees. Now, what is a lifetime? I don't know. But no matter what, once you get kind of ingrained in this, you're going to have a great situation. And I know it's just a hose, and but I thought it was a good question. It was, it was kind of one that always frustrates me also. You know, not really something that is brought up and talked about a lot, I think, but some of these simple things, you know, like maybe your watering wand might be another. And when I say watering wand, people say, well, what's that? Well, it's like a a two-foot extension with a nozzle on the end, has a a valve on it, and we use them exclusively in the garden center. All our hoses have have them on them. Uh, we, We use DRAM is the variety we use, and... There's nothing more frustrating when the nozzle isn't spraying right. You're getting water on your shoes. You know, it, it's just it's just makes for a bad gardening experience. So I would say, think about that hose. Do you need to replace it? Don't put it in the garage. Put that thought in your head. We're getting towards middle of August here. You know, we've only got a few more weeks. Maybe it's time to just go ahead and replace it. So good thoughts. Let's think about it. You know, 
And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Summer may be winding down, but that doesn't mean you have to be too. Whether you want to plant the landscape you've always wanted or just refresh your window boxes, Estabrooks in Yarmouth and Kennebunk still has tons of great plants. Best of all, you can take them home for a fraction of the price. All trees, shrubs, perennials, roses, and annuals are now 30% off. Make the most of your summer with some help from Estabrooks. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. News, sports, and weather are all just a tap away on your smartphone. Now, the gardening expertise of Estabrooks is too. With the Estabrooks mobile app for your Apple or Android device, you can earn rewards with each visit, browse thousands of plant photos and descriptions, and get answers to your gardening questions all in one place. Plus, don't miss out on exclusive in-app deals you won't find anywhere else. Visit your mobile marketplace to download the app today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. You know, if I could just find one product that would control my insect problems on my house plants, around the outside of my house, on my lawn, in my flower beds, and my vegetable garden. Hmm. Ma'am, Bonide has the answer. What? Bonide's 8 insect control is effective against more than 100 insects that destroy trees, shrubs, lawns, flowers, vegetables, and fruit. Use 8 to eliminate ticks, fleas, ants, and other home-invading pests. It can even be used indoors on houseplants. Wow. 8 kills on contact and repels insects for up to 30 days. 8 is available in dust concentrate and in convenient ready to use and ready to spray formulations with built-in hose and sprayer really find bonide eight insect control at your local independent garden centers of maine visit maineigc.com or bonide.com thank you ma'am for your time thank you welcome back to the joy of gardening by estabrooks i'm tom estabrook Another gardening weekend, you know, the weeks are passing by and, you know, we've talked about it. It's been an amazing growing year. And, uh, you know, when we get to this point in the season, there are some plants that just explode and show their glory. And one group of plants I always absolutely love are ornamental grasses. Now, my wife, Sue, not so much. She's kind of like, ah, they look like weeds, you know, they just don't really do much for her. But I love that texture when it comes to summer, the plume in late fall, the different vibrant colors, you know. So now's the time to kind of think about your ornamental grasses. Do you need to add any? And also come to the garden center and take a look at them because now most of the season, they just look like a grass. You don't see the plumes. You don't see the interest and, and the textures. Now at this time of year, even if you're not ready or don't want to put grasses in in the fall, but you're going to do a landscape project next year and you want to put some, my suggestion is come in and take a look at the ornamental grasses. Maybe take some notes on them because pictures only do so much, you know, and I really love the fact that you're able to really see them in their glory. Even though they're in pots, you could drive around, look at some of the different grasses that are showing up in landscapes too. Another good option, you know, to kind of see some of these in in their glory. But here's a question from a customer. 
My ornamental grasses are yellowing around the base. What can cause this to happen? Should I fertilize? What seems to be happening with my grass? So pretty common problem this time of year. Um, You know, here we are. We're in August. We're starting to show some signs of fall. Your ornamental grasses put on a lot of growth at this point. I'm sure they were lush all season. Here's the thing. With ornamental grasses, they're just like your lawn. Okay? So if you see your lawn starting to brown up, water your ornamental grasses. Okay? General rule of thumb. Okay? Because your ornamental grasses root system is going to be deeper than your lawn. So use your lawn as an indicator of when I need to water my ornamental grasses. So my thought is this yellowing around the base, it's a common, common sign of your ornamental grasses have actually gotten dry at some point. Now, it might not be right now, but at some point it did get dry. Now, let's kind of talk about the topic of fertilizer. We definitely do not, and I repeat, do not want to fertilize your ornamental grasses at this time of year or in the fall. We want them to kind of slow down, do their whole plume, go to seed, and go dormant, and we don't want to push a lot of growth later into the season. Now, there's exceptions to every rule. Annual grasses, we we don't mind because they're going to die. So if you have that beautiful purple fountain grass, we can go ahead and fertilize that. That's not a problem, okay? But when it comes to perennial grasses, we want to hold back, make sure we don't get a lot of extra growth. So my suggestion with the yellowing is let's just go ahead and water a little bit extra and use that indicator of your lawn. If at any point during the summer months your lawn starts to brown up, even if it's just the edges along the driveway or whatnot, give your ornamental grasses a nice watering once a week. Make a huge difference. Another question we have is, my patio pots have had a tough time in this rain over the last couple weeks. How do I revive them, and is there anything I can do to get them looking good for the rest of August? I have an event in two weeks, and I just want to make sure I'm not wasting my time. Well, this is a is a great kind of topic, you know, because it's summer, it's been warm, we've had a lot of thunderstorms, it's kind of tough on annuals. How do we keep this plant and get it back to its glory? Now, the tough part is it's probably not going to look stellar in two weeks. But what I can tell you is you can give it a shot. So here's what I would do with your patio pot. Number one, sounds like you've probably had it a while. The plant's pot bound. So the first thing I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you put a saucer underneath the plant. Okay? Because it's pot bound, you know, we really don't have the water holding capacity. So things tend to dry out a little bit in between. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to fertilize it every time you water. So... We're going to back up, though. We're going to first take a little and do a little haircut to the plant, okay? So we're going to trim maybe 25% of the foliage around the base off a little bit, okay? Get some of that older growth off. That will allow the plant to have a little bit more reproductive growth towards the center of the plant, okay? 
And, you know, it's just kind of like Edward Scissorhands. You know, you just go ahead and prune it. You know, you don't have to be that, you know, precise. Just give it a nice little haircut, you know, cut off some of those tips. Just give it a little haircut, okay? And then we're going to feed and feed and feed, okay? And you say, well, what? We're going to use the blue goo, you know, just a miracle Grow or, or a Peters or, or one of those. Half strength, okay, every day, okay? And we've put that saucer underneath there. Now, the one thing with the saucer you've got to be careful about is you want the plant to take up that, all of that water. If it doesn't, within a couple hours, drain off that saucer, okay? So pick the plant out of the saucer, get rid of that water, and then place it back on. We also want to be cautious if we get heavy rain that it's not sitting in, that, in, in water also. But where we got a two-week time frame, if it looks like we're going to have heavy thunderstorms, throw it in the garage, put it in the, in the breezeway, get it out of that rain, and then put it back out in the sun after the rain goes by. Just protect it from getting beaten up, and I think you're going to have a much better situation. Okay. Well, that's kind of wrapping up this week's show. A lot of questions coming into the garden center. You know, a lot of things kind of happening out in the garden. Keep in contact with us. You know, email us, contact us, send us a, a picture on our mobile app. Um, you know, however you want to communicate, we're here to help. Okay. Go out there, look at your garden, look for problems, but overall, Sit back and enjoy the glory. The plants are amazing this time of year. And just, my garden is stunning right now. It is just stunning. So sit back, take a walk, enjoy your surroundings. Look for those plants that might be stressed. And get out there. Enjoy your garden. Have a great weekend.